Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Christian Walker in a big spot in this first inning. Broken bat, ground ball. Boom to second. Close play there. No play at first. So out at second. Safe at first. A run comes in to score. And the Diamondbacks put one on the board in this first inning. Carroll up the middle and a base hit. Rivera round third. He will score the tying run. And Corbin Carroll, his third hit of the game. And it's a 2-2 ball game. And Moreno into right field, a base hit. Here comes Carroll. Castellanos has a cannon. The throw is cut off. Carroll scores. Moreno in a rundown, a backhanded flip, and out at first. So the inning ends, but Moreno delivers the Diamondbacks in front. Perdomo and Marte. Here he comes. In the air to right field. Should be deep enough. Perdomo tags. Castellanos the catch. And Perdomo will score. And Corbin Carroll. It's his game in game seven. His second RBI. He makes it four to two, Arizona. Seawall to strike away. Here he comes. Cave, a fly ball to right field. Over is Carroll. He's got it. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series. The Diamondbacks have won the National League pennant. And the Fall Classic will return to the desert for the first time in 22 years. Rebounded by the Suns. Booker shovels it. A Kogi, tough pass to catch. Booker lines it up. Bottom, a three for Devin Booker. Well, you give a great shooter like Booker two looks of that quality in the same possession, it's going to be hard. Second and goal. Dobbs to the air, to the end zone. Caught Zach Ertz. Touchdown. His first touchdown since November 6th of last year. Blitz off the edge. Cousins throws and it's taken away by Addison for the touchdown. Addison takes it for the score. And the pitch swung on and a high fly ball hit to left field. This is deep. Back is Brantley at the wall. He's looking up and that ball is history. A two home run game for Adolis Garcia. That was a moonshot. 15 RBIs in this series for Adolis. Leclerc with the 1-2. Tucker grounds it right side to his right. Simeon, he's got it. Throws to first, and that is the ball game. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers 2023 American League champions as they defeat the Houston Astros 11-4 and take the ALCS in Game 7, four games to three. Logan Webb on the cusp. Here's another 1-2 pitch. It is swung on and missed. Strike three. And the ninth inning, the most dominant inning of a dominant day. He gets his first career complete game. He takes the ball from Patrick Bailey and tucks it right in the back pocket. What 
a day for Logan Webb. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your Sports Zone Guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, October 25th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Diamondbacks, who should have been the NLCS MVP? The Suns, are they a super team? The Cardinals, uh, Zach Ertz, has he played his last game with the Cardinals? Or maybe anybody for that matter. Uh, the 49ers, will defensive coordinator Steve, Steve Wilkes be a, a season-long uh, narrative or negative? Could be both. Meanwhile, the ALCS was the biggest reason the Rangers beat the Astros. And is Dusty Baker a Hall of Famer? And then uh, for the NL West, uh, where do the Giants stack up with Bob Melvin now officially this morning? Name is the manager in San Francisco. And also, what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, our weekly fantasy football update, albeit a day later than usual, uh, with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. That will include some Diamondbacks and Phillies Game 7 analysis. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, top by rip from the headlines and from the wire. Actually, that would be top by World Series odds, and then rip from the headlines and from the wire. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more on the Diamondbacks Game 7 victory last night in Philadelphia. Right now, though, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who should have been the NLCS MVP? Kevin Ginkle, Cattell Marte, or Gabriel Moreno? And Kayla's here and has the early returns. Cattell Marte leading the way at 75% of the vote. Kevin Ginkle and Gabriel Moreno each at 13% of the vote. Corbin Carroll was the man last night. He was previously two for his last 22 uh, and zero for 10 versus left-handers in this NLCS. But last night, Carroll delivered three hits and a sacrifice fly, all against Southpaws, while Brandon fought in the bullpen, maligned much of the season, uh, continued their off-season success, excuse me, postseason success as the Diamondbacks won for the fourth time in the final five games of the series, including the last two at Philadelphia. All right, today's Twitter poll question, are the Suns a super team? And Kayla is here once again and has the, she's still here, I think, pretty sure. Still here and has the uh, early returns. Haven't run off yet. Uh, (laughs) No leading the way at 71.4% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 28.6%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. I've seen you run up and down that hallway before. I remember that back in the day. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that, uh, you know, we'll try to run up and down the hallway later. All right. The super team thing was mentioned on Tuesday, at least by ESPN and TNT, before the Suns' upening night win last night at Golden State. 
which was the first of 82 meaningless regular season games unless there's a serious injury, of which we're certainly not hoping for such a thing. Meanwhile, on the local front, or continuing on the local front, the Cardinals play Zach Ertz on injured reserve. That seems to eliminate any chance of the 32-year-old tight end being traded by next Tuesday's deadline. Uh, Zach Ertz, as he played his final game for the Cardinals after being placed on IR. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, uh, the uh, 49ers have lost two straight games. However, in the Bay Area, there's much more concern about defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes than anything else. Will former Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes cost the 49ers because they hired him as their defensive coordinator? Meanwhile, the Rangers easily won Wednesday's Game 7 in the ALCS. Adolis Garcia, 10 for 28 with 5 homers and 15 runs batted in during the 7-game ALCS victory over the Astros. What was the biggest reason the Rangers eliminated the defending champion Astros to win the American League? Dusty Baker, expected to retire. He has never won a Game 7 as a manager, and he's delivered some very bad game-deciding or series-deciding moments when he was with the Giants, Reds, and Nationals. So, is Dusty Baker a sure-thing Hall of Fame manager? Bob Melvin headed back to the Bay Area, something that was made official a couple of hours ago, or within the last couple of hours. The three-time manager of the year, including once with the Diamondbacks, is replacing Gabe Kapler in the Giants' dugout. Certainly seems to be a big upgrade there. So where do the Giants stack up in the National League West with Bob Melvin now replacing Gabe Kapler? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's in the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060 or in tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by our weekly fantasy football segment, albeit a day later than usual because somebody didn't show up here yesterday. That was scheduled not to show up here yesterday just for information purposes. John McKechnie. Well, join us from rotowire.com. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup. And that'll be topped by the Diamondbacks and Phillies Game 7 analysis. Uh, some of it, at least. We'll save some of that for later in the extra point, too. But uh, some of the key points we'll uh, hit on in that local roundup in, uh, in this particular hour. You are listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone.
Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Time, finally, for our weekly fantasy football update, albeit a day later than usual because it was a scheduled no-show for me yesterday. Uh, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by John McKechnie of rotowire.com. And, John, uh, first up, uh, thanks for uh, changing uh, the usual routine this week. Uh, no problem at all. And, uh, you know, uh, to, to draw some parallels, I mean, is it a coincidence that, that we were off yesterday and, and the Diamondbacks ended up winning uh, Game 7 out in Philadelphia? I don't know. It, it, it can't be <laughs> disproven, the connection between the two things. But either way, we're, we're here, and that, now the, uh, the D-backs – our NL champs. Let, let's see if we can bring it home. That's right. So we'll leave that as a mystery, whether that was uh, you know, had anything to do with uh, you know, me not being here or them winning. So we'll just kind of let that there. All right. The best news from this past weekend in the fantasy world, I don't really, I didn't see any major injuries or hear anything about that. Certainly not like a couple of Sundays ago, which was a kind of a horrendous situation there. Also, but there was the Bijan Robinson and mystery slash controversy. Fantasy owners and uh, betters were perplexed, to say the least. Uh, what's your take on the Bijan story from Sunday, and does that raise any concern about him moving forward? I, I don't think it does, but but it obviously is worthy of discussion. Um, what went down on, on Sunday? Because I think Arthur Smith has really positioned himself in an interesting spot where uh, he is just taking up the sword against fantasy managers and betters across the nation. Like, uh, you know, first it's the Kyle Pitts, then it's the Drake London, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, week one, B. John Robinson gets out-carried by by Tyler Algier. Everyone gets gets their panties in a a wad. And then, you know, this past week happened. And it – you know, the the party line, the, the story coming out of Atlanta is that, you know, he Bijan woke up not feeling uh, well on Sunday morning, had had the headache issue, and it never really cleared up. I don't know why he even got into the game late in the game, um, if that was really the, the case. But that was obviously very frustrating because, you know, there, there needs to be some level of decorum when it comes to players' availability. And, and obviously, uh, Robinson should not have been on the active roster uh, for Sunday if he wasn't going to be able to to perform up to his usual standards or, or get really um, any appreciable amount of snap count. So um, that was frustrating, but I, I think that we, we do have to turn the page. I think that, you know, this is an uber-talented prospect that's great both as a runner and as a pass catcher. Um, you you got to feel good about his chances of producing this Sunday in Tennessee, even even in light of last week's frustration. Okay, looking ahead, the, I think the biggest news this week is after six teams were on by last week, there are zero teams on by this week. So does this mean that the waiver wire is more scarce this week? It is a little bit more scarce, but that doesn't mean that, w- that we're out of options. Um, you know, there, there were some moves to be made for, for sure. I, th- I think that, you know, last week around this time, uh, we, we were talking about Zach Evans, and, and he – basically disappeared uh you know he, he didn't really uh make any impact on that game it was Royce Freeman and Darrell Henderson uh carrying the load for, for the Rams um this week like you said it, it's not um a, as full um uh, on the waiver wire ads and, and you know a lot of people just aren't in that bye week crunch 
like they were a week ago when you have, you know, big name, big ticket teams like, like the Bengals, uh, the Cowboys, the, the Jets, and so on, uh, on by. So I think that there, there's a little bit less of a need to, to scrape the bottom of the barrel this week. But at the same time, uh, we're going to have another uh, bottleneck of buys uh, in week nine. So it, it, it is going to yeah. be pragmatic for, for fantasy managers out there to, to, to take that into account. Um, and, and if there's any kind of obvious drops on your roster this week, even if, if uh, who you're picking up isn't someone that you're expecting to be a producer this week, they might come in handy next week. Okay, so before we get rolling with the uh, the usual you know, position uh, you know, roundup that we do, uh, the Cardinals opened the Kyler Murray 21-day window last week. He apparently took some first-team reps a few last week, and it's reported at least over the, the past weekend by the network television insiders that Murray most likely will make his debut on November the 12th against the Falcons. So, should fantasy owners try to stash Murray now? Absolutely. That's that's what I've done uh, in in my uh, my main super flex league. That that's um, you know a season long deal, not not a uh, not a best ball type of thing. So um, I've been having to use Josh Dobbs as my second quarterback, and I've been grateful for for uh, the production that he's been able to uh, provide most weeks. Um, you know, solid enough quarterback to pr- production for, from him. But Tyler Murray is obviously um, so many cuts above him. Uh, as a player, and getting him back is, is going to be huge for, for the stretch run for fantasy managers. It's, it's unfortunate that he'll get back and then have a bye week later on in the season, but even still, uh, getting getting a player like him back in the fold is going to be a, a big deal. So if you're, if you're someone who's rostering a quarterback that, uh, you know, may, maybe you drafted in the 10th, 11th round, I'm thinking like the, the Daniel Jones, uh, type of tier that that has you know been a, an absolute flop to this point. Um, if you can hang on, find find someone to kind of patch it together for these next few weeks and, and stash Kyler Murray. I think that that would be the direction that I go with it. Okay, so let's get the the position thing here. Let's start with the running backs. You mentioned Daryl Henderson. Uh, are we concerned that Royce Freeman? Basically, I think they were pretty much splitting, uh, you know, alternating. I should say. Yeah, series to series. Uh, I didn't even realize Royce Freeman was still in the league, quite frankly, until last Sunday. Uh, should we? Should that be a concern for uh, you know those seeking or already going out and getting Henderson? Well, I think it needs to factor into uh, the the amount that you're bidding on Henderson, and if you're in a league with with the free agent budget. Um, because Royce Freeman did look good uh, last week, and, and this is obviously a, an open window over these next couple of weeks uh, for the Rams while Kyron Williams is on the shelf and obviously Ronnie, Ronnie Rivers uh, being on the shelf as well. But it seems like it, uh, my, my colleague Nick Whalen w- was making this point uh, on, uh, on one of RotoWire's podcasts earlier this week that the Rams don't really uh, go – Go heavily into their bench. They they um, they, they tend to stick with, with the starters, and uh, in in the backfield, of course, it's a little bit different now. Um, but I think if Sean McVay had uh, his way, he would just have really one running back uh, getting the bulk of, of the work. But doesn't seem to be the, the case right now. I think over these next two weeks, we'll, we'll continue to see uh, Freeman and Darrell Henderson um, both factor into this backfield. But I, I think even if you handicap. Henderson as the the one to have in fantasy, I wouldn't be mad about getting Freeman at at a cheaper 
uh, bid because I think that, um, you know, he clearly still has a little bit of the juice. I, I always thought he was a really talented player coming out of Oregon. It obviously hasn't worked out for him um, at this level, but um, I think there is something to his game, and I, I don't think that Henderson is so talented to where, like, he, he obviously or immediately just kind of takes over, uh, like, 100% of the, this backfield share. The Cardinals, Imari DiMarcato, and we might be setting a record here for Cardinals discussion in our you know, last couple of years, quite frankly. Many got burned two weeks ago. He played, you know, he was the man last Sunday, so do we trust him now? Um, you know, th- this is a week where um, I-, I think he should be rostered, but um, I-, I have to imagine that um, in a week where every team is playing, and the Cardinals are playing the Ravens, that maybe this is a week to, to keep him on your bench. So uh, I think it would have to be a pretty deep league or a league with multiple flexes uh, to where he, he really fits on the radar for this week. But it was obviously encouraging what he was able to do uh, in Seattle last week, gathering the four catches on five targets and, and you know, having a decent uh, yards per carry average. So I, I think that DiMercato seems to be the guy, but it, you know, that was such a, a – huge change up from what we had seen uh, the previous week to where it's like a little bit tricky and tough to, to trust um, what Gannon wants to do with, with this backfield rotation. But I thought um, what DiMercato did this, this past week should be enough to, to get him in that circle of trust and get some more work uh, here over these next coming weeks while, while James Conner is sidelined. Any other running backs for this week? Um, well, Jerome Ford a little, a little bit dinged up. So I, I think that taking a look, um, at, at Pierre Strong, uh, if you're in deeper leagues, it is, is definitely something that, that might be worthwhile. Um, Kareem Hunt, if he is still available um, on your waiver wires, I think that he's definitely uh, someone to target. And then uh, myself, um, I, I grabbed Cam Akers uh, this week. I thought that even if the, the box score didn't show it, that he, he ran pretty well this past week against, a, you know, obviously a very tough uh, San Francisco front seven. So it wouldn't surprise me. Um, if Madison starts to cede some touches to Cam Akers as the season goes on, and it, it wouldn't surprise me also if Akers does more with his opportunities that, than Madison does. And then uh, last one would, would be Devin Singletary if he's still out there. I think there's a good chance that he is just because Houston was on a bye last week, so people probably shed him off of their rosters. But uh, Damian Pierce has been a pretty big disappointment that, that not a lot of people are, are giving him a whole yeah. lot of heat for. Maybe, maybe that just doesn't really – grab the headline, you know, f- former fourth-round pick not doing so great um, for, the, for the Houston Texans. It, it doesn't quite excite you the same as, as a big-name player kind of flopping. But Pierce has been average at best. And Singletary, I don't think that he's a superb talent or anything, but he's a solid NFL running back, and I think he has a multiple skill set. So if he's out there, I think that he's definitely worth some consideration this week as well. Yeah, I remember my draft. I was going to pick Pierce and got picked the pick before me, and I'm now glad that he did. So that was that was one of the few good things that went well for me in that draft, as it turns out. John McKechnie of rotowire.com, currently in the sports zone. All right, on to wide receivers. Uh, who uh, gets our attention this week? Well, if Josh Downs is still available in your league, um, run, do not walk to, to scoop him. I think that the breakout is real. I think with Anthony Richardson – being out for the rest of the year, uh, Indianapolis is going to be more inclined to, to open it up uh, through the passing game. And I think the Downs, you could already argue, is, is the second-best pass catcher on Indianapolis behind only Michael Pittman. And he's 
you know, got kind of a, a varied skill set. He's not a huge guy or anything like that, but it, but he is a speed demon out of the slot who is, is plays a lot more physical than, than his frame uh, would suggest. So I really do like like Downs' rest of season. Uh, I don't know what to make of the New England guys. I, I myself didn't didn't go after uh, either Kendrick Bourne or Demario Douglas uh, in the free agent runs this week. I, I view them more as like week to week DFS options if if I'm like really pinched at for for salary type of thing. But I'm not really overly uh, interested in, in the likes of Kendrick Bourne or Demario Douglas. Demario Douglas just because of the the uh, the speed factor that he has relative to the rest of that pass catching group does have a little bit of appeal in his own right. And then Jake Bobo obviously played really well last week for, for Seattle. Um, but if, uh, if DK Metcalf comes back anytime soon, then, then uh, you, you figure that Bobo kind of goes uh, back to the bench and, and is mostly a, a reserve guy who plays, you know, 10, maybe 15 snaps in a given game. So you, you got to be really thin at receiver to, to need someone like a Jake Bobo for this week. But he did put himself on the radar last week, if nothing else. Yeah, since we last talked, McCall Hardman Hardman is back with uh, the Chiefs, and he got a key reception in the fourth quarter of that game against the Chargers last week. What impact are you you expecting from Hardman in his uh, second tour of duty with the Chiefs? I mean, I I scooped him uh, after he he was traded uh, to to the Chiefs. Um, I felt like so so did uh, so did I. Great great minds great minds think alike here. Excellent job, John. There it is. (laughs) You know it, but, um, you know, it, it felt like his fit with the Jets was a little bit funky, um, but, you know, at the same time during draft season, you figured, oh, at least Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing him the football. Uh, that obviously not being the case, him not really getting in the mix there in New York, it made sense for him to go back to somewhere familiar on the Chiefs. And, you know, I think that the rest of this this, uh, this Chiefs receiving core is, is uh, pretty rough looking on paper. And Justin Ross obviously got himself – in trouble earlier this week with, with some stuff that didn't sound so great. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if, if over the next – I know, right? So, um, you know, a guy who had been kind of a heartwarming story to, to, to have made it this far uh, suddenly kind of like throws all that cachet out the window. But uh, Justin Watson dinged up as well. I, I don't think that uh, the likes of Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony are all that imposing. And I think Nicole, uh has that uh, outside downfield ability that, that those two – uh, kind of lack. So Rasheed Rice kind of stands in the way for, for me, Cole Hardman becoming a, a factor down the stretch here. But if that's just one hurdle to jump over and he's a rookie who's, you know, he's looked good so far, but he's mostly unproven. Um, I think that there's a chance that me, finds himself on, on the radar. Um, so he's someone to, to scoop and stash. Um, but, but I wouldn't like, you know, dr- drop someone that, that you tend to uh, like ho- holding on to you in your roster uh, just just to have me call Ardman because there, there's a pretty slim chance that he ends up uh, producing, but there is a chance. Talking fantasy football, John McKechnie from rotowire.com. Okay, all 32 teams will be mentioned playing this week, so I'm guessing really not much going on in the quarterback waiver wire uh, realm of things this week. Uh, not especially. Um, basically, um, you know, if, if Tyson Bajan. Uh, is out there or Tyrod Taylor. So you're looking at, at a couple of backups, um, if if anything, as far as the quarterback position goes. And then I, I do uh, wonder what, what Baker Mayfield's status is going to be. But whoever 
uh, is the backup for, for Tampa Bay, which I believe is Kyle Trask out of Florida. Uh, that would be his first start. It'd be on the road against Buffalo, kind of on short notice. That, that seems like it'd be one of those things. Like I, I had a best ball team last week uh, where C.J. Stroud was, was my scoring quarterback, and that's because I had Deshaun Watson with the minus one uh, on the on the day, like Kyle Trask could, could actually do wow. damage uh, to to your fantasy lineup if, if Baker Mayfield uh, is out. So uh, d- avoid uh, that potential pitfall, if anything else. Okay, tight ends. I think it's one guy here. Maybe there's more than one, but definitely Dalton Kincaid. Eight targets last week against New England. Knox is now injured. Uh, how valuable is Kincaid? It's tricky because I, I was not particularly high on, on Kincaid as a prospect. I, I, I had him below the likes of uh, Michael Mayer and, and Sam Laporta in the pre-draft process. But, you know, role and volume is king in fantasy, if, if nothing else. And, and, you know, this is an offense. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is commanding literally a third of the targets uh, for the Bills. But everything else is pretty well up for, for negotiation. And I think that Kincaid... Uh, he was kind of going to be role specific, but now that Knox is, is out uh, for for this next little bit, Kincaid is going to be seeing plenty of snaps, and they'll use him in line a little bit. But I think mostly he's going to be kind of like a big slot type of target, and I think that that's something that maybe the Bills have been missing or, or wanting to add in. That's obviously why they spent a first round pick on him. So I, I would say like a ten percent. A uh, bit of your free agent budget, if you need a tight end, what uh, should go in Kincaid's direction? Okay, John. So let everybody know once again uh, how they can get a hold of more of your stuff, whether it be podcast wise and wherever. <laughs> uh, well, right, right around now, uh, tomorrow, uh, Mario Puig and I will will be doing a, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we preview every single game. Uh, on the slate for a given week, so long, big show uh, tomorrow, but that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we also do um, the, the Rotowire Sports Betting Podcast. We focus on the NFL for that one. That's myself and Nick Whale, and that, that usually drops into podcast feeds on Fridays, but we do live stream it on YouTube as well uh, when we're doing it on Thursday evening. So if you're not following us on, on the Rotowire YouTube channel, please do. Um, and you can find me on Twitter over at John's underscore tailgate. All right, good stuff as always, John. We appreciate it. Thanks. Have fun. You know it. Go Diamondbacks. All right. John McKechnie from rotowire.com. I think we've acquired another Diamondbacks fan here. That's good. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion. Also today's local roundup. That will include some Diamondbacks and Phillies Game 7 analysis. Uh, and uh, we'll have much more on uh, Diamondbacks and Phillies and looking forward or looking ahead a little bit, at least on my part, a little bit. I haven't thought for more than uh, a couple of seconds, uh, quite frankly, about the World Series, which does not begin until Friday in Texas. But we'll get to uh, what we saw last night and kind of, in some cases, throw together game six and seven uh, for the Diamondbacks winning the final two games in Philadelphia. Once again, around all that, if you want to get in, phone call time, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Check out the 
Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7 in addition to the local roundup. It is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. And we'll get to your phone calls in just a second. First up, the Diamondbacks won four of the last five games of the NLCS, including the last two at Philadelphia. And uh, they are, uh, as they, uh, d- they just, you know, basically eliminated the heavily favored Phillies. The Diamondbacks uh, really turned to the offensive formula that they used much of the regular season, at least over the final two games in Philadelphia. They stole four bases in each victory. They also did not rely on the home run, uh, which they had done in their previous playoff series wins against the Brewers and the Dodgers. Game 7, the Diamondbacks actually used a sacrifice bunt from Geraldo Perdomo and a sacrifice fly from Corbin Carroll. Kind of a uh, flashback to the old days of baseball. Uh, Speaking of Carroll, uh, he delivered in Game 7. He was struggling, as we mentioned, in the pipeline. uh, And really, since the first part of the Dodgers series, uh, but last night with the season on the line, he delivered three hits in his first three at-bats, all against left-handed pitchers. Then he had a sacrifice fly off of left-hander Jose Alvarado in his fourth plate appearance. The Diamondbacks pitching staff in the final two games allowed just three runs. In Game 7, starter Brandon Fott pitched the first four innings. He allowed two runs on four hits and two walks while striking out seven. Fott's final out a strikeout of uh, the Phillies' number nine hitter, Johan Rojas, with the bases loaded in two outs. I think was the key at bat of the game last night. Uh, Fod had 16 swings and misses on the 33 pitches that these Phillies swung at last night against him. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks' bullpen of Joe Mantiply, Ryan Thompson, Andrew Saulfrank, Kevin Ginkle, and Paul Sewald combined to shut out the Phillies over the last five innings. Ginkle and Seawald have not allowed a run in three postseason series now. Uh, the bottom line, the Diamondbacks and the Rangers are uh, the latest examples of teams that have proven that it makes no difference uh, how a team finishes its regular season. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt and Phoenix, hi, Matt. Hey, Bob, how are you? Good. Good. I'm over here laughing at that because I stress every Mets game and every Mets inning. It really doesn't matter <laughs> at all. Um, just get in and and get hot. Um, you know, Diamondbacks yeah, yeah. Rangers, just as we, just as we predicted at the start of the year and the start of the playoffs, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Well, one of these teams is going to win a World Series for the first time, uh, you know, in uh, the Rangers' history, and the other one for the second time in yep. Diamondbacks' history. So there you go. Although if Nelson Cruz was playing where he should have the Rangers. That would be true. Line. Well, or if Nelson Cruz should have been playing at all on the bottom of the ninth well, inning, or is that the top of the ninth inning? Was that the well. bottom? Whichever inning there, I don't remember if it was the top or the bottom of the inning, but whatever, he, he should have even been out there. Good point. Um, if you were Rob Thompson, would you have hit for Rojas in that situation? Uh, he was asked that in the post-game press conference, and I thought he actually had a pretty good explanation because he thought that they, you know, then they would bring in the left-hander, you know, if they, uh, okay. to 
you know, to basically, you know, so he wanted to save that towards the end of the game. So I thought that was gotcha. a pretty explanation, pretty good explanation at this point. He was specifically asked that. I think that was like maybe the second question in the post game that he was asked. Yep. But I thought that okay. was, yeah, I thought that was a pretty good, I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. I think the key to the series, um, game six and seven, uh, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, and Castellanos, one for 28. Correct. Um, not yes. good. Um, <laughs> and your best players letting you down when the games mean the most, uh, never going to work in the playoffs. I do have one question. Does Kevin, Kevin Ginkle ever. I will, I will say one, I will say one other. Uh, let me say one other quick thing about that. Sure. At, at least Schwarber and Harper got some walks. I believe Turner yeah. ended the series zero for thirteen or fourteen, something like that, in yep. the ballpark somewhere yep. in there. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry. Um, Go does, ahead, Kevin does Ginkle. Kevin Ginkle ever make a mistake? Not lately. Not in the postseason <laughs> I mean, so far. Really, maybe not since like September, <laughs> the middle or early <laughs> September. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, yeah. He's unbelievable. I mean, this bullpen turnaround is uh, kind of shocking. It is, even though well, I think it's most shocking is just kind of who is in the bullpen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah, Seawald was, you know, that was a, that kind of a no-brainer as it turned out. But the fact that yeah. you saw Frank's out there and, you know, they got uh, Thompson who was waived. Uh, justify, justifiably waived by the Rays, quite frankly. I mean, he did everything he could do to get out of there, and he wasn't trying to get out of there, but he pitched so poorly they have no choice but to get him out of there. Yeah. Um, two quick things on college football. Oregon, Utah, uh, it seems weekly. The game I'm most intrigued by is in the Pac-12. Um, yeah. That speaks to the strength of the conference. Um, are you surprised by the number considering Utah's home success, or is it with injuries piling up and their lack of offense against anybody that isn't USC? Uh, is it justifiable? Um, I think it's justifiable. I don't even know if it's the injuries piling up because we've you know, known about these injuries for a while, and you know, finally uh, Kyle Whittingham uh, has ruled you know, Cam Rising and – yeah, it, yeah. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah. You're much more. You're much more. Yeah, uh, you know, bad human being than me. I would never call anybody a liar. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. The fact that he finally, after the game on Saturday night, said, "Well, Cam Rising's not playing this year." Okay. Well, it would have been nice to know that. Say, like maybe even at Pac-12 Media Day, when he probably knew sure. he wasn't going to play this year. Uh, and also, yeah, you know, they've lost other players along the way. Uh, that's yeah. certainly been a big deal. They, you know, they, he also ruled. He said that yeah, you know, Keithy, their excellent tight end, he yep. isn't going to play this year. They lost, you know, you know, Barton, their best linebacker. Actually, this means that their two best linebackers uh, at the start of the season are now done for the season. And he did admit after the game on Saturday, in the game that which Barton was actually injured, that he's out for the season. So. Yeah, those okay. are you know the the two linebackers, Keithy and Rising. You can make a case that they are no, you know, they're like four of their top five players when the season yeah, started. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I can't lay it with Oregon in that uh, environment with their home success, um, but I can't take it either with Utah. Um, I play the game under at an opening number, and I'm hoping for twenty to seven or something like that. Um, lastly. Uh, Texas, can they survive the 
Quinn Ewers uh, injury? That's a really good question. This yeah. week uh, shouldn't be a problem, but they do host a suddenly hot offensive Kansas State team next week. Um, so wondering about that. And little known fact, I will actually be uh, in Austin for BYU Texas oh, this week. Right. Brett Woo. Venables called me and uh, wanted me to try and steal some signs. So, um, <laughs> sure what Har- wasn't uh, Harbaugh, wasn't Harbaugh calling you to see if they, you know, they might no, play Texas no. down the road? <laughs> well, okay, I'm waiting on his call. Still. What are your thoughts okay. on the Longhorns long term with this injury? I have no idea. I mean, I'd like to give you an answer. I don't know if I don't know if they know. Um, okay. you, know you know, it was. Uh, yeah, that was a wicked hit that he took, and they say yep. he's going to miss a week or two. I don't think they said that. I think it's speculation that he's going to miss a week or two. Uh, it certainly changes the entire picture in the Big 12 when it just seemed like it was going to be uh, an automatic uh, you know, OU and Texas rematch in the sure. Big 12 championship game. So we'll see, but uh, you know, I have no idea. I mean, I'm not sure what I think of Murphy. Uh, they obviously do not want to play Arch Manning at all this season if they absolutely, absolutely don't have to. And uh, I don't think it has anything to do with the four-game redshirt thing now. I mean, we're pretty close to the you know, four games left in the regular season. Yep. Uh, so, but uh, Right. They don't – and you know, I'm sure he's had zero anywhere near first-team reps this season with absolutely. anybody. So, so I have no idea what to think of Texas now. Other than I think that Ewers is a tough dude. <laughs> He's very tough, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. interested to see his prospects at the next level, but that's a, a discussion for another day. Appreciate it as always, Bob. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff for Matt and Phoenix. All right, next segment we will wrap up the Sports Zone for today uh, with the National Roundup. Uh, we'll start with the Diamondbacks and Rangers World Series odds as you would expect, since the Diamondbacks have been an underdog in a large chunk of their regular season games. And I think every postseason game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they're an underdog in the World Series. And then there's a couple of sports books that have actually posted numbers for the game one on Friday, even though we don't officially know who the starting pitchers are. Uh, but we'll get to some of that in the next segment, and then time pending, we'll get to a some things ripped from the headlines and from the wire for really kind of the last couple of days. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD2 100.7. Morning Drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Okay, World Series. The series line. The Diamondbacks, as we mentioned, have been... Uh, Underdogs uh, much of the season, including the regular season, and they're underdogs to win the uh, you know to win the World Series. Uh, at least as of late last night, the consensus Nevada number: Diamondbacks are plus one forty-five, the Rangers minus one seventy-five. All right, some other quick things ripped from the headlines and from the wire from the NFL. Uh, I've been complaining about offensive line play the last couple of years. Here's a little more evidence, in my opinion. 
It's been 15 seasons since this many teams have averaged fewer than four yards per carry this deep into the season. So there. All right, and now three and four Vikings, now not expected to be sellers at the trade deadline, uh, which would mean you know, no Daniil Hunter making a big trade deadline difference next week, if that's all accurate. Uh, here, here are some players rumored to be traded, though. The Titans, Derrick Henry. Uh, the Panthers, uh, Brian Burns. That would be maybe the big pass rush guy with Daniil Hunter if he's off the market. Commanders pass rushers, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, they're not going to trade both those guys. They're not going to be able to, to, to basically, you can't they, you basically uh, put a franchise tag on both of them, but uh, uh, it would seem like one of those guys is likely to be traded. And also the Broncos' Jerry Judy, but he has a guaranteed contract of $13 million next season. I'm guessing that will kind of deter some teams from making a deal. Meanwhile, Lions wide receiver Marvin Jones, who's rumored, there has been rumored to be traded by next Tuesday's deadline. He has stepped away from his team to take care of some family, uh, personal family matters. So it appears this has nothing to do with trade deadline or maybe a lack of snaps, etc. Just a family issue. College football, the Big 12 announced it's going to, excuse me, the Pac-12 announced it's going to be a two-team conference in 2024. But... They also said they're discussing a possible schedule alliance with the Mountain West Conference, which would seem to make some sense for both uh, parties involved. The two teams, Washington State and Oregon State, and also the Mountain West Conference. All right, next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Stay tuned for that. Much more on the Diamondbacks and Phillies. Game uh, 7 in North phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.